Good evening, brothers and sisters. God bless you all. Thank the Lord for all His kindness, for all His love and support every day in our lives. We're very thankful to the Lord. Every day we love Him more. Glory to His name. Forevermore and evermore, blessed is the name of the Lord. You may take your seats, please, brothers and sisters. I would like to share with you a testimony of a sister who a few days ago was telling us that the Holy Spirit had promised her that He was going to protect her, deliver her from danger. And she testified that she was working at her company and she prayed also because that was the warning from the Holy Spirit and that is what we ought to do when there are warnings from of danger and she prayed to the Lord. So what happened? She was working at her company and she said that she was on a, on a second, second story performing her work and when she left the company she started to see a lot of movement from cars that were fire trucks that were starting to arrive to the place and the only thing she noticed was that everything uh, the the entire roof the entire roof of the play of the building came down because of the fire and it, it all imploded upon the second story where she was in previously and that way she was sad because of what was happening at, at her workplace, but she was marveled to see the way God had saved her life because she was there and she uh, ignored any everything. She had not realized the great danger, the danger of death that was lurking around her. Blessed is the name of the Lord. Thank God because He is with us. He hears our prayers. And He gives us victory, always, out of any situation. What matters is for us to be faithful to the Lord, that we are always seeking His presence, and that we persevere, and that at, not, at no point whatsoever would, will we feel discouraged, but rather have that trust and consistency in, the, in seeking the Lord. Let us rise, and we are going to read in our Bibles. Let us read in the book of Genesis, chapter number... 27. In the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 27, we are going to read in verse number 45. Or let's read from verse 40, 42. We will read to exalt and honor the Lord. Genesis 27, verse, 20, verse 42. And the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Now therefore, my son, Obey my voice, arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran, and stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away. Until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I, should I be bereaved 
also of you both in one day. You may take your sheets, brothers and sisters. A few days ago, the Holy Spirit last Sunday in prophecy, in a general prophecy through our sister Maria Luisa, prophesied and told us and taught us all that we should not be filled with angry from anger or wrath. That is the that was the prophecy. Do not be filled with anger or wrath. And that is why, because the Holy Spirit spoke, God gave that message. And if the Holy Spirit said this, it is because something's happening. Because there are or there's either uh, sensibility or anger or it may be that we are becoming angry that we are being filled with wrath whether whether at home in our marriages be very careful with that because it is something very negative for us in our households to behave in that way or surely in our workplace where we work or with our neighbors we must be aware of this, beware of anger and wrath, and that's why today's title is Anger. We're going to talk about anger, and here in the Bible in Genesis, as you've already read before, you might remember what happened during the lifetime of Rebekah when Jacob took the first his firstborn uh, because his father Isaac blessed him and his son Esau became angry because of what had happened and it was such a type such anger which is what we want to preach about today especially that it is a very high very severe kind of anger a type of anger that can lead someone to kill another person for example there you know there are anger there's anger that hits people in such a way that the person feels like killing someone else or, or feels like, you know, knifing him or throwing a stone or whatever it may be or harming the other person and doing many things, offending and, and insult the other person. But it is a very great anger, very great fury that makes the person become violent and it makes the person manifested in that way. In this case, for example, Esau had such anger that he wanted to kill his own brother for that situation. And his mother, Rebecca, when she realized this, she said to Jacob, there's no other option left but for you to flee, hide, because your brother is going to kill you because of how angry he is. And we must let time go by and you're going to hide and you're going to let time go by because the only thing that it that can take away his anger is time. And so he, we see it here. For example, in verse number 42 in the end, it states, uh, Esau comforts himself concerning by intending to kill you. It's such a strong anger that was in Esau that he had been filled with that anger, which is what the Holy Spirit said, do not be filled with anger or wrath, that he wanted to kill his own brother and he took comfort in, in that intent. And then also in verse number 44, his mother said to, Rebecca said to Jacob that he should leave, that he should come back until his brother's fury returns away, meaning with the time, passing of time, it would went down. Verse 45, until your brother's anger turns away from you. 
and forget what you have done to him. Because the problem of anger is that anger generates other many other sins. When a person is angry, immediately the person also in, engages in confrontations, holds resentment or grudges, starts to argue with people, to engage in confrontations, insults other people, offends other people, curses at people. And also the person might be filled with revenge and a sense of vindictiveness. There are many sins that stem from the fact that a person harbors anger in his heart. And this situation teaches us then very much about how far-reaching anger can be in a person. And it is a type of anger that is extreme, a type of anger that remains in that person, the type of anger the person has as a constant affair in his being. It isn't something that is just fleeting. And also let us read in Numbers, chapter number 22. Later on, we're going to read what happened to Jonah with how angry, angry he was, but it was fleeting, and so it is different. Jonas's anger was different than the anger that Esau had because Esau's anger was something continuous. It was some, It was a type of anger that was permanent. And that anger that became a constant affair in his life was going to make him take his own life of his own brother. In the case of Jonah, we're going to see that it was something fleeting. And so it is different. It was a time of anger, a moment that is fleeting, that is temporary, and that it, it wasn't translated in revenge or grudges. It was not something that went on for a long time, but rather, you know, the type of anger to want to, for the person to want to kill, harm someone, and that situation extends over time, months and years. And so let us read, as I said, in Numbers, chapter number 22, verse number 27. Numbers 22, verse 27. All of this is important today because if a person has the gift of prophecy and ministers prophecy in the church, lays hands, ministers of spiritual gifts, that person must be aware of all of this, especially with the type of anger that goes on for such a long time and something that is constant. Or a person who always is irritable and gets angry, that affects his spiritual gifts. And the person must ask the Lord to cleanse him and, and set him free. Because it could also be an evil spirit. Surely it, would be, it is this evil spirit that comes and continue, is continuously giving this anger to this person, causing it. In Numbers, as we said, chapter number 22, we're going to read... In verse number 27, our sister Mary Louise a few days ago was teaching us about this passage, and so I'm not going to go in depth that it was King Balak who hired a fortune teller called Balaam to kill, to curse the people of Israel. And when Balaam went to curse them because he was a fortune teller, to, he was he was going to curse the people of God. God gave, the Lord gave him an experience with the donkey that he was on, and in that situation, Balaam was angry because the donkey did not walk, the donkey stopped, but it was because it was seeing the presence of the Lord, and he was so angry and so upset that he started to struck 
the donkey and then the, the donkey spoke to him and said, why are you striking me? And he didn't realize, he says, I'm going to keep hitting you, strike, striking you until I kill you. And if I had a sword, I would kill you. So imagine something like that. Because of how angry he was, he was blinded by it. And that's what happens. What, that's what we would like to highlight with this sermon, is that when a person is angry, they are blinded and they, they're driven mad. And the person, because of the anger they have, they are not even able to say to realize what they're saying or what's happening or what they're t talking about. But they're just angry. And in the midst of their anger, they made they make many mistakes. They hurt people's feelings because there's something that dominates the person and prevents him from seeing. And the person is not able to control himself. In this case, this man was speaking to an animal. Even didn't even register that it was doing so. In his anger, he was just going back and forth with the animal instead of re realizing. He didn't wasn't able to realize it, but he just talked to the animal back and forth. God allowed that experience to also to teach us that anger is so powerful that it can that he is rather so powerful that he can make a, an animal speak. But he wanted to give this fortune teller a teaching that the power of God is above the power of the devil. And so let us read in verse number 27. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. And so Balaam's anger was aroused and he struck the donkey with a staff. There, that's his anger, Balaam's anger. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? The animal spoke to him, and Balaam said to the donkey, Because you have abused me or mocked me. He was angry about the, about because the animal didn't walk. I wish there were a sword in my hand, for now I would kill you. So he was just angry. So that is an example of how the Bible illustrates to us what anger is and the way a person, when the person's angry, loses control and starts to say and speak things without realizing and meditating what's happening, without seeing what's going on. So now let us read in 1 Samuel chapter number 11. Something the Bible teaches us about anger, that sometimes anger also can be given by God, meaning there are moments when a person may, as it happened in this case, when God, it was the one who manifested himself, and the Spirit of God came upon, Sam, some of our, uh, upon Saul, King Saul, and possessed him and took him took over him and filled him with with uh, anger for the people of Israel react to react because they were they were scared frightened why what had happened that the Ammonites who were enemies of the people of Israel they had come to threaten the people of a town called Gilead and this was a city nearby the people of Israel. And so, this threat from the Ammonites consisted in that they said, if you want to forge an alliance, you have to take out your right eye. And in doing so, they wanted to humiliate them and make them break them down. And at the same time, they wanted to shame the people of Israel. And so, the people from Galad became very frightened and they were really intimidated and they started to cry and so on. When they said this to King Saul, what, that this had happened, the Bible then states in verse number 6, Then the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard this news. 
and his and his anger was greatly aroused, meaning the spirit of God came upon him and aroused anger in him, that he so that he could react with strength and say to the people of Israel, "What's wrong with you? Why are you intimidated? Why are you afraid?" And to rebuke them, meaning anger isn't always evil. There may be moments when a person may be angered, but it is something that is given by the Holy Spirit to rebuke, in this case, Saul, rebuke the people of God who were very frightened and they lacked trust because we have to trust God. And that anger that Saul had that day was very useful because it came, since it came from God, he rebuked the devil. When anger comes from God, when it is given by the Holy Spirit, uh, the person who experiences this, but, you know, this, this is just something I'm teaching, and it isn't something that now now on, oh, the Spirit now came and it's overtaking me, and now the person starts being angry towards everyone. No, no, no. That is something. It is something that is more so for people who have maturity, spiritual maturity, and people who have the ability to discern that the Spirit of God came upon them at that moment and that for him or her to rebuke someone else or reprimand someone else. For instance, if during a sermon on a given day, our sister Maria Luisa you know, teaches us or admonishes us, well, the Holy Spirit came upon her and took her at that time, took over her that time to rebuke the church, perhaps, or or admonish the church. And so there's sense to it, or people who have maturity to understand that it is the Holy Spirit at that moment. But also just so that people won't say, well, what do you mean? The person over there teaching in, in the church or the person who who isn't that an example look at the person how angry he was well the person was ang angry and we should analyze things thoroughly why was the person angry because it is likely the person might have been angry because the holy spirit came or because uh, the her uh, his anger was really deserved and it was something transitory temporary angry over something that was badly done and the person admonished and then that's it it goes away but it doesn't mean that the person is going to be angry all the time but it was something just at that moment because it had to be done at that like that just so that people won't feel outraged and say why well look at what happened no it's in the bible remember what happened to the lord jesus christ when he saw that people were in the temple they were there was a market and they were selling and, and, and purchasing things Thus, the meaning of the physical temple, which at the time was valuable. Today, the temple is uh, in all its fullness and the value of it is in the heart. Of, although, of course, we thank the Lord and, and, and we love and we protect the worshiping places God has given us for us to congregate. But the Lord at that time, he was angry. And he rebuked them also. And when he was speaking to the Pharisees, he spoke to them rather harshly. And it wasn't that the Lord Jesus Christ was angry all the time. But in that case, we see that at certain, at certain moments, the Holy Spirit would come on him, upon him and it made him, compelled him to behave that way. So that is biblical. It is possible. And that's how, the, how God behaves. And so it states in verse number 7, in the end, it states, so they went out and the fear of the Lord fell on the people and they came out with one consent. So the Holy Spirit coming upon Saul was rather very effective. And so 
In the case of Saul, we all ha oh, we have another example in 1 Samuel chapter 20. We have another example where, in this case, it, that anger was, was misplaced and it was wrong. And it was connected to the envy that he had, that Saul had against David. And this is something that I would like to make these concepts clear. Envy, generally speaking, is anger that a person has against someone. A person is angry. They're very tied. Angry, anger and envy is very tied. When is a person envious? When the person is angry at the other person. And in the case of Saul, Saul was angry, mad at David. And... But also, it was because of Saul's sin, and this is also good to highlight it, to bear in mind. When a person is leading a sinful life, or when someone who has been attending church for a while and starts to misbehave, it is likely for that person to start to become angry and show anger, and it, it, because of the person's misbehavior. The person has been attending church for years, has received the teachings of, the, of God, as in Saul's case, he had been anointed by the Lord, he knew God's teachings, Samuel had taught him, the prophet had, and then the person, then three, four years after being attending the church, sins and then starts to misbehave. And that person, likely his own conscience, accuses him and realizes that he's misbehaving. But the first thing the person starts to do, it's very likely is to start to become angry and to answer people harshly and to and become irritable. And the person's behaving like that all the time because of his sin. In this case, this man also, because of his own sin, he was really leading a really sinful life and he was angry as a constant affair, anger, angry against David or angry at David. And so this was really connected to the envy he had, anger. So anytime you think about envy, uh, you are angry at someone. That's envy. So everything that person does is wrong. You don't like some, anything about that person. That's anger and that's envy. Now, concerning about what we taught last week about covetousness, the person wants, to, wants what the other person has. And so, for example, whenever God intended to be in, the, in God's place, he had that desire, that covetousness to be in God's place. And then, also envy. But how did that envy come about with his rebelliousness, with the rebellion that he brought against God when he brought all his followers, the demons, those are. The Bible says that he brought all those hosts, all those demons. He brought all those beings that were in Eden. He brought them, brought them out with him and he, they rebelled against God and then they created a division and so that is envy as such being manifested in a rebellion and that that anger was manifested in that division in that and his envy but it all came about because of covetousness because he wanted a place of the other one so covetousness is also very tied to envy but it is different covetousness is that you want the other what the other person has and because you want what you want the, what the other person has, then you take a, another step, which is envy, which is rebellion, that he, you know, he materialized that division, that he, there was anger, and he brought a group against uh, of angels who, who converted or turned into demons. And in this case, anger was tied to envy. It wasn't that he was just coveting the place because he was the king, but... It was so that his anger was a constant affair, and that is the anger that we are preaching about tonight that we must be careful of. And what happened? That 
They would always take a seat at the table to eat alongside with the king, and David was invited to the table, and he had not been there for two days sitting at the table, and Saul was always paying attention about what was happening with David, and he said, all right, well, I'm sure that he's being purified the first day he didn't come, the second day he didn't see him again, and so he asked his son, and he said to Jonathan, what happened to David? He, he wasn't here, and... Jonathan said to him, oh no, it's just that he asked me for permission to go and pr and worship at Jerusalem. And he was so angry because angry anger is that they give you an answer and it makes you angry. And he was so upset, so terribly mad, so angry that it came to a point where he even threw a spear at his own son to take away his life for giving him permission to David to go worship at Jeru in Jerusalem. So that's the example we see of how angry anger is. And that's what you hear. There are people who are so angry and they hit their wives. They hit their wives. That's, the, that's domestic violence because of anger. All these things that happens within marriages, mistreatment of the children, all of that is rejectable. And all of that happens and it's what the, t the Bible teaches that we should reject him. That's what the Holy Spirit is telling us. Or if a person, for instance, in this situation we are going through, and in this time of pandemic has no income, and that person is running out of money for food, it isn't nothing's justified for the person to become so angry to insult their spouse or mistreat their spouses because there can also be mistreatment from wives or their husbands or insults or humiliations or vice versa or hitting themselves or mistreating their children. None of that can happen. It cannot happen because God cannot bless us if we are doing so. And in that, in that way, God won't help us. So you can read here, you can read here from verse number 25. You can read this entire passage that teaches. And so, uh, it teaches us in verse 27 at the end, Why has the son of Jesse not come to eat either yesterday or today? So, Jonathan answered in 28, Why? And that he gave him permission. And then in, in verse 30, he said, Then it, Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan. So that anger was no longer caused by the Holy Spirit. That It wasn't that the Holy Spirit came upon upon Saul as in the previous passage and took him over and it was the anger that God gave me. No, because this was anger that was filled and fueled by envy and that was the wrath, his anger. And that anger, what does that lead to? Because that's what we have, we ought to think about. It leads to wanting to take the other person's lives. That's what anger can lead someone to. And in verse number... Number 33, it states, Then Saul cast a spear at him to kill him. Imagine that, his own son, because of how angry he was. By, and Jonathan told him in verse number 32, Jonathan said, Why should he be killed? What has he done? He behaves well. He hasn't done anything wrong. And this is what the Bible teaches us also in Ephesians. So let us read that parents should be careful not to cause anger in their children because in this case, Saul was causing his son Jonathan and making him angry. And that has to do with what the Holy Spirit said through prophecy, through our sister Louise and a general prophecy that we should rule our households well. Rule our households means to have a good relationship with your children and not do this and not give them this example. 
giving them that example of anger or, or no, get, be a good example to your children, your for your children uh, will also become angry or their children watching their dad just as what Saul did against his own son, Jonathan. Then they get they said a really bad example. They're they're provoking them into anger. I, I wasn't able to read. I didn't have enough time to read. But where we just read in Samuel, the Bible says that Jan Jonathan was also angry, and that Jonathan was left the place angry and didn't eat because of of his anger because his own dad, father caused him to become to be angry. So that happens. And so when there is a father who was angry, it makes his children be, be angry. And that's a chain of events, of anger. And then all, everyone starts to be added to the equation of anger. And so that takes away all sorts of blessings and it affects people's spiritual lives. So let's read in Ephesians chapter number six. Where the Apostle Paul is teaching us how we should raise our children. And he said, and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath. But bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Meaning, we should discipline them. We should admonish them. We should rule our households well. We should teach them when they, when they make mistakes. Because that's our responsibility as parents. We must teach them. However, we should not offend them. Nor hurt them. Whenever we're going to admonish them. Hurt their feelings. Because that makes them angry. And what happens when your child is provoked to wrath? Then that child will immediately react and may disrespect his, uh, his father. So imagine a, a son disrespecting his own father or his own mother. That is something truly undesirable. Something that should not happen, nor could it happen. Can it happen? So now let us read in Esther chapter number three to see how far anger can go and to and not under because of not understanding this. And that's why we ought to be prudent in life as well. And perhaps you should avoid hurting someone's feelings. If you know that someone can make someone angry, then you should avoid doing that and be prudent. This is a general teaching. If you know that something upsets your father or your mother, you shouldn't do it then. If it is something that you know it's going to make them lose their temper, as you say, that is going to make them, you know, drive them mad of out of anger, then you should meditate on that. And I believe it is something that helps you or your boss, for instance, at, a, at your company, your manager. Generally speaking, you already know how people are, so you should avoid make getting them upset and you should be prudent because you start to know how people are and then according to that, then you avoid as well making the person mad because you can also make someone anger, angry because of your own imprudence, imprudencies. And if you know that this person has that tendency, then because you know the person doesn't like that, then you should be careful and not cause them to be angry. Instead, pray to the Lord so that God may transform that person, but you should not cause them to be angry. And that, in that we should also be prudent and wise. Because an anger can lead to disastrous events. In this case, Esther teaches us that there was a man that was so arrogant and so haughty that why, where did his anger lead him? It, it led him, in Mordecai's case, 
he did not bow down to him. We're not going to question Mordecai, but imagine, it made him so angry, this man so angry because he was so arrogant and he had such a high concept of himself that this man, what he did was it not only destroy Mordecai, but he also said, I am going to this make Mordecai disappear as along with all his people. That's where anger can lead someone. A person may be so angry and so many things can happen. And as in this case, this man had power, who had power and a position of power, and he took advantage of the power he had within that empire. He went and talked to the king, and he said to the king, to the king of Persia, Ahasuerus, he said to him, there is a nation that it isn't in your best interest for you to keep them here. Destroy them. Just command that they be destroyed and killed. That they be destroyed. Because of how angry he was. Just so you have an inkling of an idea of what can happen to someone when you make someone angry and the, these types of events can unfold. And so it states in Esther 3 concerning Haman, um, Haman in verse number 5, when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay, hom pay him homage, Haman was filled with wrath. So that's why I say do, the Holy Spirit said was not do not be filled with wrath. He was filled with wrath. But he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone, meaning it wasn't enough. It didn't suffice to just destroy Mordecai. For they had told him what the people of Mordecai, the Jewish people, instead he sought to destroy all the Jews who were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, the people of Mordecai. He went against everyone. And then he, in verse number 8, he went to talk to the king and asked him, to take their lives away, and the end it says, therefore it is uh, not fitting for the king to let them live, let them remain. It, he told them his own version. He, uh, he fixed everything to his own convenience. And then in verse 9, since the king didn't know anything, then the king said, he said, if it pleases the king, let, it, let a decree be written that they be destroyed. And then the decree was that and issued to, for the destroy, destroyed uh, men of the people. And God placed Esther for the people of Israel to be delivered. But that is an example of where anger can lead. And Jonas's case, which I had mentioned, this was a temporary type of anger. This is just an example of how someone reacts when they are angry. We're only going to use, quote the, the words to per, the person that, but we understand that Jonas's anger was indeed something temporary and that these type of anger isn't the anger we are highlighting today. But rather, the, it is this type of anger that, as the Bible states in Ephesians, be angry but do not sin, let the sun not come upon your anger. So that type of anger that is extreme, the type of anger that makes people take revenge, the type of anger that destroys. It is a constant, not the type of fleeting anger that we are highlighting. But if we can avoid all, them all altogether, better. If we can avoid being angry altogether, better. Because after you're angry, you, you, you don't feel well. You feel down. You feel 
why? Why did I let it get, get me, carry me? Why did I get carried away? Sometimes when it, when it comes from God, then it had to be done but like that. You had to talk, you had to react, you had to take action, you had to rebuke, you had to admonish that person, you had to rebuke the devil. When it comes from God, it works well. When it, is, when it isn't, then many problems en uh, ensue. And so it states here in Jonah, chapter number 4, we're going to read in verse number 1. But but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. Why? Why was he angry? Because God saved, or God had mercy on the people of Nineveh. And Jonah knew that he was going to prophesy, but that if those people were to repent, God was going to forgive them. And his prophecy was not going to be fulfilled. And so he knew that in advance, that God was merciful. He knew that this was going to happen, that it was likely that it was going to happen, and that that is why he, he didn't want to go there, because he said, my prophecy is not going to be fulfilled, ultimately. He was angry, but he was angry at God. And it is not correct. A few days ago, someone was telling me, and they told me, I, I feel that... I feel disappointed in God. God doesn't hear me. God doesn't fulfill His promises. I am stand against God. I feel angry against God. That's what the person told me. And I said, that's the worst thing you can do. Be angry at God. You are the one who's making a mistake. God doesn't make any mistakes. The Lord can test us. But the Lord will always be there. And He is perfect and He will be perfect. And everything He allows in our lives. We are the one who makes our mistakes. God is perfect and God is good. In this case, Jonah was was upset and he said, he said to the Lord, verse 2, so he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, the Lord, was this not, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Almost like, you know, presenting his claim. Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I knew that you are gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in love and kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Nevertheless, even then, he acknowledged to God his own his virtues. Verse 3, Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. Imagine that. He was so angry that he, told, he, he said, Take my life from me, Lord. That, that is not right. And, and it could also be that someone in the midst of this financial situation takes us to God, Take my life away. No, never. Or is angry at life or angry at God? No, never. It says, because death is life. For better is to die than to live. Verse 4, look at what God said to him. Then the Lord said, verse 4, is it right for you to be angry? Imagine that. That's a, something for us to reflect on very beautifully because you should never be this angry. We're talking about anger, that type of severe anger. And is it worth it? Is it right for you to be angry? Your anger should not get to that place. It says, let the sun not go down on your wrath. Let, don't let your anger go so far. If you are angry, let, don't let it go so far. But it, if it's, why are you so angry? Meaning, as if there were levels of anger. No, that's something you should control. And that's something we, that we should control ourselves. And then, God, to, to teach him, allowed a plant to, to spring out to give him this and, and uh, where he was. But then the Lord decided to give him an experience and allowed for that plant to wither. And then again, Jonah was angry again because the plant 
The plant was dry, withered, withered away, and he was angry again. He was very irritable. He was very sensitive. So in verse number nine, it states, Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, It is right for me to be angry even to death. Imagine how he answered, the way he answered God. And that's what happens when a person is so angry, one says and the other rep replies. That's, you know, what happens when people are angry. That's that back and forth, back and forth. And so that is something that we should learn how to do. And you should learn to avoid that to the mo at most. And if you must admonish someone, you do it. But it should be done with the doctrine or if God gives you or the Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives you. And if you have the Holy Spirit, then you can, with the doctrine, you can admonish. But you should graduate and you should do it gradually. If the person is overtaken by anger, it is better not to say anything. Because you must, well, okay, we'll talk later and we'll just leave. And there's also, the, the Bible says that when someone is too anger, it is better to forget that there is no greater honor in life that if the person is angry and the person is like that and then insults the other person, then the person acts as though he didn't hear anything. And that is something that wise people do, that they just forget that. But if a person is overtaken by anger, then then that's what you shouldn't do. You shouldn't. You should not answer. There's also a Bible, a passage of the Bible that says that if there is a ruler who is angry or upset, and you are sitting down at the table, stay at the table. Do not leave the table, because if you see that this person become is being admonished and you get up from and you leave, and then that's also going to cause even more problems. Just stay there. Be humble and look at what they are teaching you. Correct whatever you need to correct and stay and stay sit there at the table. If you get up, then that is almost an act of rebelliousness. That the Bible teaches us this. You do not get up from the bed of the ruler or the or the prince. The Bible says. So these all are teachings that are going to help us for us to avoid problem but problems, but. Aside from that, it is for us to be a good testimony and for us to do well in life and so that we make people want to feel like they want to seek God and that we score points in the sight of God because that's what it's all about. At the end of the day, we humble ourselves before people, but we score points with God. And that is what God likes the most. And... In verse number 10 and 11, the Lord taught Jonah and said, You are angry because the plant withered, and but if I, you you took pity on that because, because it was a plant, but you didn't feel sorry for thousands of people who live in Nineveh, and I wanted to give them an opportunity. And so it isn't, doesn't make sense what you're thinking. That was a great teaching the Lord gave Jonah. Now let us read what the Bible teaches us in the book of Proverbs, chapter number. In Proverbs, we have so many verses that talk about this topic. It talks, they talk about anger. And, and I would invite you all to read it. There are many verses because due to time constraints, I'm just going to read a few. Let us read in Proverbs 15, verse number 18. What... The Bible teaches us, 
It states, Proverbs 15, 18. As our sister Maria Luisa teaches us, read the book of Proverbs for there you have all topics about daily life to do well in life, to please God. And that all these all this advice entail wisdom. person who does all this is a person who is acquiring wisdom. And so verse 18 states, A wrathful man stirs up strife, meaning it is a consequence of someone who is angry, who is upset, and it is a constant affair, is always angry. For sure, they'll stir up strife, meaning revenge, or, and that's the consequence. And that's where you have problems and engage in confrontations. But he who is slow to anger allays contention. So by saying who is slow to anger, meaning that you may indeed be angry, but you must it must you must be slow to do so. Now, if it's something that it takes that is too much, if we have to rebuke someone, we should do it. But generally speaking, what we ought to do is to to be silent, to tolerate people, and be patient if the other person's mad. Then we flee and go away and let pe let time go by, let anger go by, and then if that problem ca carries on and goes on and at a, at a precise moment, at a pertinent moment, then you talk to the person and you say things to them. But at no point whatsoever you can, can you do it when you're angry. And that's why it says, he who is slow to anger, meaning that can happen, but you should. it should take a, a while. But the Bible teaches us, but he who is slow to anger. And when a person is slow to anger, then, a, then he also allays, meaning brings down contention or fights, because you need two people to fight. And as long as there is a no you know, answer, talk back, then there will be peace. Let us also read Proverbs 22, chapter number 24. Proverbs 22, verse number 24 and 25. Are you ready? It states, Make no friendship when it, with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go. Because surely, the person, as verse 25 states, lest you learn his ways, and set a snare for your soul. Angry, anger, that is a snare. Just as arrogance, vainglory, and says that you should not fall into the devil's snare. Because of, of arrogance and in this case it also tells us that that anger anger is a snare and if you walk with people who are like that you'll also end up become behaving like this proverbs 26 also teaches us verse number 17 it tells us he who passes by and meddles in a quarrel not his own it's like one who takes a dog by the ears imagine that <laughs> Look at that. that! What a proverb. That if there is a, na a strife and a con contention between two people who are angry, you should not get in the middle of it. Let the two of them figure it out. Now, if they ask you, then you mediate and you help them out. But if they're in the midst of the discussion, just stay by your, stand aside. If you meddle, for example, a married couple who are who is arguing, and then someone else, a third party, a father-in-law, mother-in-law comes there, someone goes to make a comment. You know what? Already, you already know what's going to happen. So it's better to let them figure it out and solve their own problem. Or a father with their son, with his son, you shouldn't get into in that the relationship with the two of them, mom and dad, and and. and son let the two of them figure it out and respect 
the privacy of them and, and, and people's lives, which is what we were teaching teaching about gossiping, people who meddle. Same thing here, because you should leave, let them be, and you should not get in them and go into that field where you will find yourself in that situation. Now, also, in Proverbs 12, let us read chapter 12, verse 16. The Bible states in Proverbs 12, 16, a fool's wrath is known at once, meaning right away, a person is angry, it says, but a prudent man covers shame, meaning someone who was offended because someone else was angry, it does, he doesn't care, it, he forgets that about that matter. In fact, Proverbs 19.3 talks about that. It taught... It, it goes by. The person may be angry and says, oh, I'm not, I, I don't mind. And tw uh, 12, 20, 19, 13, no. 19, 11, rather. The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger and his glory is to overlook a transgression. And when a person is sound, mature, that person controls, you know, is something we've preached about, which is when a person has self-control, and his, it says there, it is to overlook transgression, Proverbs 19, 11, because there may be offenses in life, and it is something that happens in life, and it is something you can't avoid. You should try to avoid it as much, but there can be offenses in life. But what's most beautiful in life, a child of God, is to just over overlook that. And it, it, that is to, uh, to overlook an offense or not pay attention to a transgression. That is prudency. And not make things bigger or it, the person's prudent because they just, you know, they cover the other person's sin. There's also a passage that says, we I, I wasn't able to write it down, but it is like a a woman who is angry is like a slow dripping that's, uh, that that can happen. Or it is better to live in a desert than with, a, with an angry woman. There are also uh, contentious men, but bas that's basically it, that someone who's always angry, someone who is always uh, engaging in, in, in arguments, and that is something that really is not good like when a drip like a drip slowly drip the person makes goes is driven mad the person doesn't even know what to do and also whether a man or, or a woman and it's you leave everything in the hands of God and you say each party says what they don't like so that they don't offend each other and there's no no anger cost but also, we, there are situations that are extreme where people, rather than leaving everything in the hands of God, they take on an attitude, how could we call it, an attitude that is aggressive, uh, an aggressive and angry attitude to try and change their spouse and you will never change anyone like that. And on the contrary, you're going to drive that person away and your spouse is going to say, I'm not going to take this anymore. This is unbearable because the person lets materialism fill his heart. And that is incorrect because 
The person wants to solve his uh, all problems on a, uh, out of his own volition. For example, there was a lady who was always going through his his husband her husband's cell phone to see who was messaging him, who was what type of messages was he getting. She was always with the always looking at it, and he said, "But trust me, trust me, don't do that." I mean. He said, because she, it was almost something invasive into his life, and she was always reproaching him and always arguing with him because she thought she feared that he was going to be unfaithful, and she was always doing that, and always hide, hiding from him. He was, she was going, she would go through his phone. He didn't like that. So all that, all those situations caused quarrels and strife. And he said, no, no, let that in the hands of God. If he, you already said to him, he already knows very well that if he is unfaithful, he is going to, everything is going to be in the hands of God and God is going to make him pay. It was a person who was coming to church. If the person is not coming to church, likewise, pray to the Lord so God transforms him. Because, but the more anger and the more engage in confrontations, then the more you're going to drive him away. And that it is that's not the way to go. And then now in Ephesians chapter number four, let us read chapters Ephesians four twenty six. I had already read this. But it says, uh, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on, on your wrath. This is what we just read. Instead, let's finish with how could we, in, aside from what we've already said, as the Bible states, overcoming all these situations, we have it in Proverbs 15, verse number 1. And it is advi an advice the Bible gives us to confront all these situations so that we are able to solve them whenever there's anger around our lives. And, and it, Proverbs 15, 1 states, a soft answer turns away wrath. So that's perhaps what, what we should learn this verse and memorize it. Many of us already do. If someone's angry, then just give them a soft answer. That's what we ought to do, and that's it. If the person will be will calm down, but a harsh word stirs up anger, meaning if the person is already angry, and then you start to answer with anger and with a harsh word, then you're going to stir up that anger. It's written, so that's the advice. If someone's angry, you just answer softly, and wait for the right time to talk to him and to teach him. Because he he tells you tells you what what do you think what have you seen in me or I think I went over I think it, it was I took it too far I feel bad for what happened that day then you say you did because that person came to you approached you and you said yeah you did it's just that it really it's not profitable that affects your spiritual lives you lose blessings from God but you should look for the right time to speak always and in Romans chapter number twelve. The advice from the Apostle Paul, for example, if someone did something against you that was terrible, they mistreated you, they caused you harm greatly, severely, and you're hurt and you're angry because uh, it was someone you trusted because... You say, no, there's no right that this happened, that for them to have done this against me, I feel let down, and that you're angry like that. Then what you ought to do is to let that, leave that in the hands of God and say, I, I'm not going to avenge this. I'm not going to let, get carried away by, by anger. 
but rather mine. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Bible says. Vengeance is mine. We should leave that in the hands of God and say, Lord, this goes beyond everything. I think that it just, it's a, out of my hands, what they, the, the evil they caused me. Because in, in antiquity, they did take revenge. It was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And what, what ruled was vengeance, but not in the New Testament. But you do say, if you, when you're very hurt and you're not able to handle that, and it causes you to be angry and be hurt because someone did, did you wrong, you take solace in this verse and you say, Lord, as the Bible says, you will pay. And that's it. And you, you find rest. And you say, let the Lord be the one to take care of this. And that's it. And you won't confront the person, nor will you feel the angry, nor are you going to just, just step aside. There's no vengeance. There's no grudges. You leave everything in the hands of God. That's why the Bible states in verse number 19, Romans 12, 19, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves but rather give place to wrath, the wrath of God, not your own wrath, but God's anger or God's wrath, not human wrath. It's not That's not the one that's going to make people pay, but rather the, the, the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So that will also help you because you will say, how unfair. Why? Well, how could that be just like that going to happen? No, that's not just going to happen and that's it. No, because the Bible says that God is the one who's going to make them pay. And it is God's wrath, not your wrath. So that will also help us very much so that we, in those types of situations that are so harsh, so difficult, know how to handle them. Along with a soft answer, in addition to everything else we've, we've said thus far. Let us rise and we are going to pray to the Lord to ask him and pray to him that he continue help, continues helping us and perfecting us and help us so that we understand how each sin uh, works. As our sister Maria Luisa was teaching us last week, perfection is commandment by commandment. And so being perfect as, insofar as angry, as anger, no anger, being perfect in everything, insofar as envy, no envy whatsoever, and so on. Each commandment, commandment by commandment, no greed, no covetousness, no arrogance, another one, no pride, and so on. One by one, that's perfection. That's how perfection works. Glory to the name of the Lord, and we all want perfection. Glory to God. And also, to pray, our teacher Maria Luisa taught us that if you have these sins, then you pray and God won't hear you. So, we must ask the Lord to help us to overcome these, each of these items, these sins, know them thoroughly, so in that way we may identify them when the, when the devil brings these things against us. Blessed Lord, we thank you for all your blessings, your love, your kindness. We beg you, Lord, that you make us perfect, that you perfect us, there be no angry anger and wrath in us as a constant affair, cleanse our lives, so that in that way each of the sins that they do not dwell in our lives. May you make us perfect and heal our spirits, Lord, from every trap of the wicked one, any flaw and sin. Also, may you heal us from witchcraft, sorceries. May you protect us from depression 
and evil spirits that may want to bring sadness and may want to cause disappointment and disillusion of not being in your in your path cleanse us and allow us to know that those are traps from the wicked one that the wicked one is a liar and that we lord are going to overcome and defeat all of this also that you are going to heal us from spirits of death spirits of sickness spirits that may want to affect our health to limit us affect us and not let us go on cleanse us and also forgive all our mistakes and all our weaknesses and failures lack of wisdom of getting carried away and a lot slipping falling perhaps because we slip but do not fall and we carry on with your by your hand we ask you lord that you give victory o lord to your people and also you that you may remove this pandemic from humankind and let this be useful for as a reflection for people to seek you because all if all of this has happened there's a reason and you know the reason every day we will understand it more surely it is so that many people in many continents and many people may come close to you and understand that you are a god who speaks and exists also lord we ask you to bless our sister maria luisa with the fullness of your power of your blessings of your protections that you may always be with her bless all the churches worldwide all your people and the people who are newcomers and new to church who are just starting to join these live streams May you, Lord, manifest yourself and fulfill your promises to them. And may they see that you are truth, that you are a living God, and that may they, may, may they follow you and love you. Thank you, Lord. We worship you with all our heart. We bless you with all the strength of our beings. For you and by you we live. You are worshipped and good and kind. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Glory to God. Let us sing, brothers and sisters, chorus 79, I have been set free from sin. 79. Blessed is the name of the Lord. Thanks to our God for his immense kindness and loving kindness. Big hug to you all, brothers and sisters. God bless you so long.